The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 337. Got a special guest for us tonight, uh, first time joining Bench with Bubba to talk some recent fantasy baseball news, uh, the Chicago Cubs, which I have actually a lot of questions after last season. You can find his work at Fantrax, Rotoballer, PitcherList on Twitter, at Davithius. Dave Swan, how are you doing, man? Hey, Bubba, doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining me. It's uh, it's fun getting to uh, interact with you on Twitter from time to time, and uh, now getting to chat with you. It's going to be a fun time. And uh, I was like, I was DMing with you last night. I was like, you're a Cubs fan, right? And you said, yeah. I'm like, good, because uh, I got I got a lot of questions, and I know a lot of people do about uh, what took place last year on the old, the old South Side there. So okay. um, we'll be we'll be fun to, to to talk about from a fantasy perspective, but. Before we get going on all the news, because the hostel was was pretty active actually this last week, which was nice. Um, why don't you let everybody know like what you got going on? And you got some catchers articles you've been releasing and whatnot. So plug away. Right. So uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff on fan tracks, just kind of outlooks, getting stuff ready for the year. Um, just finished up a catcher series, kind of you know busts and sleepers, stuff like that. Uh, doing some more player outlooks at Roto Baller, a couple of things there, just helping get people ready for the upcoming season that we're running into, right? Player analysis and, and what we think is going to happen. And then I'll be doing more in-season work at PitcherList, mainly like DFS uh, awesome. geared there. So, yeah, a little bit of everything right now. That's good. And it's That's draft good. Season, right? Yep, it's draft season. I know we did a best ball here recently. Um, you've been, I've been seeing you tweet out some NFBC stuff as well. So it seems like, uh, are you like, are you like a, a group of us where it seems like you have at least one draft going at all times? Yeah, I've got three right now, <laughs> three <laughs> NFBCs going right now. 
so eventually I'll be on the clock here. But um, yeah, it's that time, right? I tried holding off as long as I could. Last year, I went much, much earlier. And uh, I didn't think it really paid dividends. So I, you know, waited around as long as I could just to get now. Yeah, no, it's, it, I know it's helping me a little bit. Uh, just continue to familiarize myself with the pool and kind of when to take guys and whatnot. But it just depends on what rooms you're in. There's some some sharks out there that makes things quite interesting to, to draft with. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that keeps changing as we're almost into February. Pitchers and catchers are reporting shortly. And that means the hot stove's kicking off. And we'll start with the big one. Um, JT Romito signs, re-signs with the Philadelphia Phillies, um, returning to a place where he did very, very well. Uh, people that listen to my bow in the bat flip show, we all know Toby loves him some JT early on. What's your takes on JT coming back to Philadelphia, a place that should fit him quite well? Right, just like everyone else, I assumed he's top catcher off the board no matter how you look at it. Uh, it solidifies sort of where you're taking him. Right, you notice he gets signed like almost immediately after. I know Atlanta says that they were interested. It was never going to happen there, but you could kind of see that going on. And, and at least fantasy wise, you got to expect great things, right? No matter where you're taking them. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it's one of those deals. Are you are you a catcher early guy like that? Like NFPC, obviously two catcher league. <laughs> are you going after a real muto early? Uh, it's going to happen on a team. I don't know when. I typically don't take early catchers. I'm fine taking like an upper echelon and then two, I think will provide extra value, you know, two to three from there. Yeah. That's kind of how I draft things. Like, like you said, it'll happen on one or, or two or so. Like uh, one of my most recent uh, NFBC fifties, I took, I went pocket aces and J- JT real muto. It's like, it literally looked like Toby and I had changed uh, drafting bodies basically. And it's something I've never done before. First time I've ever had a team like that. I'd be the last time I do. Like, I don't mind it. It's just not usually how it flows for me. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I get the concept to it, but I'm kind of like you. If I can wait three, four, maybe five rounds and get like a Grandal or something, I'm yeah, cool with that. that. Was, that's something so, I go for, right? Something like that. Yeah. Just somebody with some plate appearances, somebody in a decent lineup, and then give me a couple, you know, late round somethings that I might get extra value from. Yeah, and you wrote and you wrote about some late round catchers to target. Um, since that's kind of your philosophy, it makes sense to know more of those late round catchers. Um, when you are say taking a you know one pretty proven commodity and one later round commodity, are you more inclined to maybe take two later round commodities to make it work, or are you, are you good with are, are you good with going into the season with just two guys? Yeah, I'll never do just two. I got to okay. have the extra one. Uh, just because it's, um, I guess, mitigating risk. I don't want to take a zero ever. And I think you can find some of those, you know, call them like dollar catchers that will return quite a bit of value. And it comes about almost every year. We see the resurgence of some catcher who learned how to catch, and now he's hitting better in his older age, which I think kind of slips by the wayside. No, that makes sense. Um, I, I know this, this isn't on the outline, but I, I was reading your article, so I, I was going to ask you about it. Uh, Max Stassi is one guy in your article, and that's a guy that I'm a big fan of as well. Um, we talked about it last week with Derek Rhodes. Uh, Kurt Suzuki obviously signed with the Angels, and we've seen how Suzuki can play the platoon role and be still fantasy productive. Um, say, you know, right now you're doing your draft champions, your NFBC 50s, or whatever these kind of deeper leagues are. Are you inclined, if you take Stassi late, to go get Suzuki? Or are you just grabbing another dollar type catcher later to fill that third spot? I'm not opposed to it because, right, I think I asked you guys, like you and Toby, this question once. You might have, yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly the the answer, but I do. Yeah, I do like it where I almost get that little bit of a safety net where I'm getting full, you know, full plate appearances from that spot, which is, you know, very crucial. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. That's why I figured I'd, I'd ask you that one because we, we seem to share a similar catching philosophy. And uh, I've actually done that in a couple of DCs where I got Stassi. I grabbed Suzuki later on once that was made official. Um, let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays who just continue to make moves. They're the American League Padres right now. They're just making it happen. And we'll start off with Marcus Simeon signing to play shortstop, or we assume shortstop, maybe second base also. You know, we don't know. Lots of moving parts in Toronto. That's what we're going to kind of talk about here. Um, you know, Rost Resource, not the end-all, be-all, hasn't projected it second and play second base. Obviously, then you got uh, Bichette, 
at um, shortstop. For now, you have Vladdy at third, or Biggio goes to third, Vlad goes to first. We'll get into the semantics in a minute. What's your thoughts on Simeon going to Toronto? Right, so I like it. I like it quite a bit. Um, you know, there's really nothing wrong with what they're doing, I think. You had a pretty young core, and then you end up tossing this uh, veteran you know, infielder, right, as we'll call him, where he can kind of move around a little bit. Um, I, I don't hate it. I, I like adding the depth there. Uh, as far as for a fantasy relevance, you know, if he hits the top of that lineup, you know, Kismet, you've got, you know, just an absolute bargain if you've been drafting him now. We're going to see his ADP shoot right up. All these, you know, late signing guys, if you took a chance and they went somewhere good, perfect. And I, I think he's going to fit into that role. I, who knows where he's, they're going to play right now? You know, I know they talked about that new park. Um, mm. I really liked Buffalo. It was a really good hitter's park. I don't think it's going to be as great there uh, down in Dunedin. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be playing possibly. So, uh, I, I like it better than Oakland. Yeah, definitely better than Oakland. You can't can't go wrong there. I'm I'm curious. Like Buffalo was awesome. I think the reason they're not doing that is they're actually trying to have minor league baseball this year. So mm. that kind of pins that one out. But you know, going out to Florida. All the reports say it's not a hitter's part, but it was either spring training or like low A ball type action. I think if you put pro players out there when it's all humid, the ball tends to fly a little more. So I'm keeping optimism here. I don't think it's going to really matter with this lineup. They're all going to mash, it feels yeah. like. Um, but the semantics part of this I wanted to, to get your thoughts on is everyone's kind of giving their opinions in chats and on Twitter and everything. But, you know, you, you're throwing Springer in here. You're throwing Simeon in here. Great moves for the team. No objection to that at all. But, you know, this this moves Rowdy Telez. They still have him DHing, batting eighth now. That's still, you know, maybe but platoon rolling. Gritchick now moves to the bench, maybe in a platoon to DH or play in the outfield. Lots of moving parts here. So how are you addressing some of these kind of not main commodities on the team, but the kind of secondary commodities that about three weeks ago we all were drafting Telez and Gritchick were pretty happy about it? Yeah, no, you're right on with that. I think in the earlier ones, I looked at like Alejandro Kirk and my catcher, mm-hmm. you know, thing, and I was like, is he a bust? Is he a, you know, is he a sleeper? Like, where is he now? And now you're returning very little value, you know, unless there's an injury or something. Um, you know, if you're a good player in a good lineup, you know, I, I think you're going to rise to the top. And, mm-hmm. You know, if I had to put him in a place and putting him in that lineup, that's going to be a, a, you know, a strong finishing lineup. So I can't imagine it's going to be terrible. It does take those secondary parts like Telez. That just kills so many of us, right? I mean, yep. he was a, one that we were really hoping this would be the year that he get that full breakout. And it's still not to say that he's playing time and injury away from stepping up and having a huge year and, and giving us good value. And I mean, stranger things have happened and, and, if he gets out there and he's mashing like we all thought he could, he's going to play his way into the lineup. Just where is he going to go? I get it. No, and that, that's the hardest part. Like, would you be willing to to, to use a draft pick right now on a Telez or a Gritchick with all the, the kind of questions surrounding them? Sure. In a DC, yeah. Uh, a 12-team, yeah. like an OC, probably not. I mean, yeah. I feel like I can probably pick him up later, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I see him start to go off. I'd rather probably go somewhere else, unfortunately. Best ball. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm thinking because I'm with you on the fact that we see so many injuries take place. Like I just looked at Telez's month of January. His ADP is 228 in DCs, but the lowest he's gone is 265. I'm pretty sure that's pretty recently, I'd imagine. Um, And I'm with you because injuries will happen. We've seen Telez in the past. He really hasn't started out the season with the big club the last two years, but finishes with a bang. So. There, there's there's chances there. I think you made a really good point that I think people aren't really getting to yet is in, in redraft leagues with Fab and everything, there's a good chance he just doesn't get drafted and then you can pick him up off the wire. So something to think about there. Sure. It's 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 going to be interesting. That, that To say the least, going to be very interesting because, man, I had a lot of shares of Telez. I was actually signed up to write the mm-hmm. Sleepers article for Telez on Rotoballer, and I'm just hesitant to write it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really, I'm like, what are we doing here? But uh, – yeah, it's it, it's pretty wild, pretty wild stuff. But uh, they're they're darn good contenders. Do you see them as non fantasy relevant? As just the baseball fan, what they've done? Do you think it's enough to make them have a push in the East? Because the Yankees are still the Yankees. But does this make and the Rays are still good too? People aren't even talking about the Rays. But 
does this make the the Jays kind of move up there and have a good shot, or are they still kind of second or third fiddle to you? Right. You know, so they're adding all this, you know, added offense is a good thing. We're, we're talking about the Yankees. That's a very suspect pitching staff, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what we're going to get from it 100% yet. I mean, there's some good parts to there in theory, but um, we'll kind of see how that plays out, all things con- all things considered. Um, the Rays, you know, they're a team that, you know, is consistent and they should be pretty good too. We'll see how their, how their you know, staff shape, shape, shapes out too. Uh, you know, at least they're making those moves, and I think they're getting closer and closer to contending. And if nothing else, it, it, you know, the Springer, you know, it, it allows them to do more and more. And, and I still don't think they're going to get Bauer, but, you know, putting all these pieces in there kind of says to the next guy, you know, come on over. You know, we're building something better and better. Nobody wants to sign with it with a bad team for the most part. That's a great point. And, you know, you know, Springer coming over does show that guys are willing, they're willing to spend money on, on talented veterans, which is good. So that's a very good point because before him and a couple other smaller pieces, it was just a young bunch of like kind of ragbag guys just going out there and doing things and having fun playing good baseball. But, but it's like, yeah, who wants to, uh, you know, you never know some, some veterans aren't looking for that at that point in time. Uh, The other move the Jays made and pitching's always been a question mark there. Hungjin Ryu last year came over and pitched really good. You know, they got Robbie Ray last year, suspect, or wait for Nate Pearson. But they went and traded for Steven Matz. And as much as people want to make fun of Steven Matz, and a lot of it's valid, he does go out there and, and give you innings most of the time. So what's your thoughts on Steven Matz? Because this is a, a rough pl- rough division to pitch in every day. It is. And right, he got crushed last year mm-hmm. quite a few times. Um I don't think, you know, we're going to look at that ERA, the FIP and everything, and people are going to assume that's Steven Matz, and it's really not. I mean, he's still been a very good pitcher over the, you know, a very usable pitcher, I'd say, even if it's a, a mid to back end rotation, like he's slated to be for the Jays. Um, I do think maybe he was, you know, obviously slightly unlucky there. He is going to face, you know, massive bats. So that's kind of scary. Uh, I'll take him as, you know, a streamer, but I'm not taking him anywhere. Love twelve team. There's no way. Obviously, it's just not possible. No, no. He's he's one that yeah. He's a streaming option in season in a redraft type league. Um, but the the the, the question I'll I'll direct your ways. You know, I had Derek Rhodes on last week talking best ball. Uh, we did a best ball draft. You're doing other best ball. I saw you're signed up for one of their live uh, shows coming up here for the BB tens. Oh, yeah. Um, so so not in the BB ten because of the the you know roster size and whatnot. But say you're doing an NFBC 50 or a draft champion, 50 rounds. Is Max a guy you're willing to try then, knowing you need that pitching depth and he's going to most likely be there and you have a chance to use him here and there when he has a good spots? Absolutely. I, you know, okay. I, I think partly he got maybe a touch unlucky. You know, he, he threw this sinker. They had like a crazy launch angle. You know, that's a pitch that yep. he's really trying to get ground balls and it just didn't do it this year. But in the course of his career, it was. So, you know, I think if he's even regressing to the mean somewhat, you're going to get sort of, it's not quite what we saw, you know, last year. It's probably somewhere more towards his track record. And like I said, he's usable in spots. Yeah. He's going to be very usable. And a deep roster, you know, I would take, as we just alluded, that's a team that's trying to go for it. There could be a chance for some additional wins from, yep. you know, I don't know exactly where he's going, but I'm sure it's 400s or something. I'll give you I'll give you a rough number right here. Let me get to the the pitchers page. But while I do that, I will I will say I'll I'll, I'll take full blame. I I was drafting him late in drafts last year, hoping he'd keep going, but it didn't work. Um, his ADP is five sixty three, as low as six ninety two, as high as four hundred four. So he's basically free right now. Yep. Yep. So, sure. Yeah. At that price, at that price, innings are valuable. Yep, I'm with you there. Let's go to those San Diego Padres. They've uh, been rocking and rolling, and every time you think their team's full, they don't think it's full. They just keep adding on and adding on, and it's good for them. Not so great for the fantasy world. They went and signed Jerickson Profar, a guy that's been playing really well, especially the last year, starting to find his legs. Still, it's crazy to think he's going to be 28 soon. I remember when he was a prospect for the Rangers, and now it seems like forever ago. But um, he's 28 years old. I personally was hoping he'd land somewhere with everyday playing time. Right now, he's going to be platooning. You have Cronenworth, you have Hung Sung Kim, this whole smorgasbord there that that kind of envisioned the three of them switching around with occasional outfield play here and there for Profar and maybe Cronenworth. What's your take on uh, Profar coming to San Diego and how it affects kind of that mix of players there? 
All right, so I, I did a, a write-up on Kim, and, and I watched a lot of KBO uh, last year. I got into some KBO DFS quite a bit. Nice. Uh, so I know quite a bit about him, and uh, it's strange. Like, uh, I think he's going to have an issue with fastball velocity right away. Just it's not – it's much – harder and faster here and i think the sooner he adjusts to that the better and i have a feeling the padres probably understand that he's going to start maybe a little slower and pick up as the season goes i could definitely see that as far as profar uh we kind of always seem to talk about him in the infield but uh, last year he played more in the outfield than he did the infield and i think he's probably going to spell guys like will myers and we still don't really have a hundred percent clear option on what's going on with fam and that kind of worries me a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I haven't looked into exactly what's wrong with him, but uh, and they actually gave him quite a long deal, right? And he offseason where everybody's getting one year deals. What do you get a three year deal? Like, yeah, they took care of him. Yeah, you know, for them to take that kind of commitment to him, and he is still somewhat of a young guy. Uh, I think he's going to see significant playing time, and it's going to take away from sort of like the Blue Jays, everyone as a whole. Maybe some infield, maybe some outfield. You know, Cronoworth, I think, will just be the super utility. And this will be, you know, I guess, two super utilities. Very Dodger-esque. You know, lots, yes. of, lots of pieces. And you're going to see players' efficiency maximized here with where they're used, which, you know, very good thing for, for everyday baseball. Fantasy, it sucks. Yeah. It, do you see yourself, like, obviously, the deeper the league and if guys fall, there's always some validity to them, especially with the multi-position eligibility that these guys will bring to the table for you. But uh, just kind of in a say in a redraft, a twelve team OC, um, do you see yourself taking the the, the chance on a Cronenworth or a Profar because they're still they're not coming at a premium anymore, but they're still coming at a pretty decent draft price. Like I've seen Cronenworth go in the top two hundred, Profar around two hundred to two twenty. Like you're still still having to pay a little bit for them. Yeah, it's actually it's going on in an OC I have, and I queued him in there. Is like, what am I going to do with this guy? Where am I going to mm-hmm. go with him? But I, I was chasing, you know, outfield second base, and I'm like, this could, you know, at least fit either way. It's going to be a little bit um, team construction oriented for me. For if I'm good, if I had to have something in that spot, uh, I still think he's going to produce somewhat. But I'm a little skeptical until I see a path. And while I think he's good, I just don't know if I can take him in a 12 team or like every time. Yeah, I'm with you, and that's the hard part because, like we said, with the Jays, and it happens with every team is. Injuries will happen, so like these guys, all of a sudden, will have runs probably like month to two months where they're playing every day, not worrying about things, and, and all of a sudden they're fantasy gold again, like Cronenworth was at points last year. Um, and you mentioned super utility. The thing that comes to mind with Cronenworth, and he, I know Madden's coaching in Anaheim, so not here, but he feels like a Ben Zobris type, like he's just going to be that guy for the next yeah, like, like seven it. years. I, I like that sound <laughs> for sure. He just feels like he's just kind of almost the mold of a Ben Zobris. So, and he was very fantasy relevant. He really was. So it's kind of one of those deals. I think if you have a single standalone league, it's kind of tough. But if you're like in an overall where you know that if these guys, if these guys are starting every day, they're going like 50 to 60 picks sooner. That's the kind of boom type play that can, can change your lineup type deal. So it's kind of something to monitor. Like you said, obviously spring training, hopefully starting here in a few weeks, we'll start getting some, you know, guys talking a little bit more and we kind of get an idea of what's taking place. But, uh, for now, it's it's tricky because I know you see the same thing I did. Like you just mentioned it. I'll be in a draft room and I'll see that name there. Then it comes back to my pick. I still see that name there, and I'm like, oh, I can't do it, and it's still there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm oh there. man, uh, happens all the time. Um, let's go to my San Francisco Giants here. They surprised me with this one because I know Farhan is kind of planning for next year as they're losing like over a hundred billion dollars in salaries next year, and another like thirty or forty the following year. So he's playing the long game right now. But he went and put some money, like a three-year deal, on Tommy Listella. And I, I love Listella. I love what he does to a team, second base, third base, can play around the infield for you, can lead off. The the question I have for you is, Listella, an interest for you with the Giants who have literally Farhan built the Dodgers the way they are. He's building the Giants where they are a massive platoon team right now. So what's your takes on a guy like Tommy Listella? Yeah, right. I think I read something like even the minor leagues are doing are like all being taught multi-positions and it's like mm-hmm. they want to kill you just by everybody. And it also makes your what prospect even more intriguing when they can play all over. So I get what they're doing there. It's interesting, right? I mean, they have so many platoons. But still is a little bit of a shocker to me that you'd go out of your way to make this. It's like, yeah. you know, another left-handed bat in that park. 
just uh, he's not like he's a masher or something. So yeah. I get they wanted with it. He made a big commitment of three years. It was a very surprising signing to me as well. I didn't think it was needed at that point. Uh, does it make them incredibly better? I, I don't think so, but maybe having all that versatility is really something to them on, that they, that will come out a little different. Um, and it's a very crowded lineup, right? We had guys like Austin Slater that we were kind of begging to get in there and stuff like that. And um, interesting, very interesting signing, you know, fantasy wise. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it for Listella. I was hoping he'd go somewhere with a more clear path. I like him at the top of the lineup, right? That's a great little sign for a guy like that who, who, Know, has a great contact skills, but wow, that's pretty kind of hurts his value to me. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel because I, I was with you. I was thinking, okay, you know, he's sliding in drafts, he's going to sign somewhere where he's going to play. Then he goes to the Giants, and I'm not saying he's not going to play every day, but it's like you got Longoria at third, you have Solano and Flores at second, you have there's just guys everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's it, and there's it, literally, if you look at roster resource again, I don't believe, like I said, it's not the end all be all. And as a Giants fan, and I've seen how they use their roster. I don't foresee a lot of this taking place the way they have it, but they basically showed you how they can platoon this thing. And it's terrifying. Like you can do all kinds of craziness here. So as a fancy player, like I'm not going to go down a giant's rabbit hole, but I had someone ask me last night on Twitter, like Yastrzemski, I still trust to play every day. Posey will play every day as long as he wants to play every day. And then after that, I kind of still think Dubon does because they want him out there because he's young. Other than that, these guys are all up for grabs. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. It, it sucks because you got Dickerson, um, you know, Belt is still, again, a deep league viable. But, yeah, it's something to monitor for sure come spring training. That's going to be one of those teams that might have no fantasy enjoyment at all. Yeah, I think they're looking at – you think they're going to move Belt this year? Isn't that they want, just they, caught up? And... They want to with just a lot of contracts. So how much does he want to eat is the question. It, that, it's going to be one of those – him, Crawford, all these guys that are going to be off the book shortly, they're not cheap. So that's that's the hard part. But we'll see. Maybe he finds a deal like the Angels where they can trade someone, pay it all, and they'll get a first-round pick back or something. <laughs> see how it goes. But uh, let's talk Minnesota Twins. This one, like these were some surprising moves that happened the other night. But I think from a real-life baseball, it's a phenomenal move. Fantasy, still not horrible. Andleton Simmons goes to the Minnesota Twins to play shortstop for the Twins. Looks like Polanco's moving to second. Area is potentially moving to third. Um, there's been tweets about they think uh, Baldelli thinks Polanco can be a, a gold glove second baseman, which I don't deny. Uh, we know Simmons is like the best defender in all of baseball at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it great for pitchers. But what do you think for Simmons going to Minnesota? Is there any fantasy relevance to that for you? I had been taking him in a lot of best balls because he would be like my third uh, shortstop. Like nobody was taking him. And it was like, uh, injuries, a bunch of zeros, and a good week, bad weeks. And you've got this guy who just plays every single day, gold glove, you know, shortstop. And he's just going to, even if it's producing a little something. So I liked him for best ball, uh, you know, possibly again, late for a DC, but 12 teamer. I just don't see it. He's a little bit too light hitting at the position for me, especially for shortstop. He's not going to give you any power. Um, he doesn't even really steal you know too many bases to make it super interesting good average i guess but it's just not a typical player that i like to chase and draft uh, it almost it had to be a, a certain circumstance and it's more of a fail safe than a reliable piece yeah he's a great best ball call like you said like your 30 or 40 shortstop whatever you want to do there yeah. that, that, that's phenomenal um he's going around pick 430 or so gonna hit ninth probably for the twins Looking at all the projections, he's about a 10-10 type guy. So not horrible, but really not going to light you on fire in a shortstop position where there's a lot more you can go and grab, most likely. So it makes things very, very interesting. Does it infl- um, does it make you think any more? Like, do you want to reach maybe uh, on some of the pitchers now because the defense is better, or is it just kind of a, a neutral situation there for you? Yeah, I mean, I was all over kind of Maeda anyway, especially if he was falling. Um, like, you know, I mentioned that I think it helps a guy like, you know, Randy Dobnik, who's a total ground ball pitcher there. Um, you know, improving the defense is, is always a good thing for the pitchers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. just in general, uh, it was very, just a very shocking thing, you know, for what went on there. I'm, I'm still kind of shocked as, you know, if you're moving all those pieces around, I thought for sure they just bring Cruz right back 
and that would be like priority one. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting. I'm definitely still going with with some of the pitchers from there. They got some good arms. Definitely. Let's go to the Baltimore Orioles. They uh, went and signed Freddie Galvis, who had a pretty <laughs> decent season last year at shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, brings a switch hitting bat to a team that. Uh, you know, it had a lot of power, but a lot of uh, young swing and miss in their lineup as well. So you throw Galvis in here, another guy that's basically free in drafts right now. Does he uh, spark any interest for you? He does, um, mainly for the fact that he does have some sneaky power to him. It wouldn't shock me if this is like a guy who puts up 20 home runs. Just that short porch switch hitter. I mean, he's pretty good from the left-hand side. He's we call him a switch hitter, but he's, he's pretty mediocre from the right-hand side, um, I think. Uh, I, I I like the signing for the O's. They weren't going to sign something too crazy. They're not really contending. They were probably going to trade away pieces. Um, it probably makes them a little bit better. Um, definitely, I used him a lot in DFS because his mm-hmm. price was nothing. And, you know, he had a little pop to him that was interesting. But um, I don't know, I'm probably not drafting him. He'll be a fun piece to stack the Orioles in DFS this year for sure. Um, the bat, the bat X has him at 152 games and 21 homers and seven stolen bases, and he's currently around pick 550. That's going to go up, but you know, even if he's in the 400s, he has 20 home run bat at shortstop. That's that's pretty nice to me. So I uh, I like Galvis. I was, I was hoping he'd sign somewhere to play every day. Like you, I think he's kind of an underappreciated bat when it comes to fantasy. So that was a, a good one to see for sure. Let's go to the catcher's position. Wilson Ramos signs a one-year, like $2 million deal with Detroit, which was seems to me like quite the bargain. I know Ramos is not the same guy he once was. I know the, the launch angle is, you know, makes Billy Hamilton cringe. It, it's it's very interesting with Ramos, but at that price point, going to hit in the middle of a Tigers lineup that even last year had, you know, playing DFS, you saw it. They had fantasy viability. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. So does Ramos, Ramos, who's like a, going as like a catcher two in a lot of leagues, does he come more on your radar now? Or are you still kind of concerned about the decline that he's shown in recent years? Yeah, I mean, if I had had him in Detroit when I was writing the sleeper article, I probably would have put him in there, especially at that price. Like when I saw that he went there, I'm like, oh, perfect. This is a team that could use this guy, even if he hits middle of the order. I'm not saying three, but he could hit, you know, much higher than nine or eight, wherever you see most of these catchers. Uh, he could fix it. That ballpark, you know, allows quite a bit of um, batting average just on its depth and stuff. He probably won't hit a lot of home runs, but he wasn't anyway, you know, for the most part. I mean, he wasn't a complete masher. Uh, I love the option for a catcher two here, you know, especially given that ADP. And it's going to rise, but uh, definitely a great little option here for Detroit. When I saw he signed, I, I kind of lit up. I was like, there we go. That's that's yep. what I want to put on my list of, you know, in the draft. Yep, hundred percent with you. Like I, he's a guy that was like I think two years ago. Um, I had him as like a top five catcher in my rankings, and then obviously things have kind of da- downward spiral. <laughs> but to me, he's still good. And I look at the projections; they have him around ten homers, hitting around two fifty to two sixty for a catcher that you're getting uh, between three fifty and four hundred in a draft. That's outstanding to me. So uh, I'm I'm a big fan of that. I think his price tag will rise, like you said. Now that he has a home and he's going to be the everyday guy. It changes things, but still, even if he's going late 200s, early 300s, phenomenal catcher, too. I'm a big fan of that as well. Mm-hmm. The uh, Cleveland Indians, they've made a move, which um, I like, but a lot of people are kind of frustrated with, and that is Cesar Hernandez coming back home, one-year deal with an option for a second, going to be leading off most likely, just like he did last year a lot. Um, it pushes you know Andres Jimenez back in the lineup or maybe to the minors. Uh, they're talking about trading Rosario now. But Hernandez back in Cleveland, what does that do for you from a fantasy standpoint? Another guy that's basically free in drafts right now. Yeah, my like most, it was a head-scratcher to me on why they put him in. I He's definitely always very underappreciated. It's just kind of always been the thing because he's a little bit lightheading. But he's an OBP machine. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year, he's putting up 80 runs, and that's valuable fantasy-wise, especially at that draft position. I'm not saying that Cleveland's is uh, – uh, you know, super offense, and they're going to put up all these runs, especially with trading away Lindor. But you really can't go too wrong with this this at the, that position. There were so many second basemen that needed to be signed. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. You know, middle infielders. And now that they're all kind of going, we'll see that go up. And in the end, we're probably going to say that second base is a lot deeper than, you know, we were thinking, especially this time, you know, last year. But good signing. 
you know, you, you can't hate it, especially for this team. They needed something. For fun, uh, we'll just pick two later going second baseman. I don't even know their numbers right now, ADP-wise, but Cesar Hernandez or Starlin Castro? I like Starlin just because yeah. I, I like his power and, you know, the way they've added to that. He was one of these late-round guys I was really looking at anyway. But I would be – those are two that you look at and you're like, I, I can be happy with those as my middle infielders. Definitely. I'm with you there. Let's go to the Nationals. They signed bad hand to close things down. You know, some people wanted Tanner Rainey to get the job. Daniel Hudson's still there, about a year removed from being a World Series darling. Uh, Brad Hand, everyone knows that pays attention to fantasy baseball. The velocity dropped a ton. They're still striking guys out last year. He still, I think, he led or was second in baseball in saves last year. So the relevance was still there. What's your thoughts on Brad Hand, and are you in on Brad Hand this year with kind of the concerns that some people are having? Right, yeah. So the main reason I haven't done a lot of DCs and mainly best ball was just we didn't – no one's signing. And so it, saves were just so, so – impossible to predict at the moment um and you know he's been publicly saying he noticed the velo right and i like that you know tremendously he's going to work on that you know it's not like you know he's he's coming out and saying the velo is an issue this is something i'm working on this is something i'm fixing it makes me think when he comes back in he's probably going to fix it and it's going to end up being a nice little um a nice little closer to put you know i put him on my radar as somebody i would take a look at uh, but I really like Tannerini too. And I think he's going to vulture out. And especially with one being a lefty and one being a righty, I could see them going to uh, either one at times. And, and I think that's going to be part of the part that's going to make me you know, knock him down just a tick. But um, I still think he's going to get majority of the saves at the end of the year. And that's valuable. Yeah, I think you're right. That's what I, I got to keep telling myself that hands the closer – until he's broken for sure, I got to kind of trust that he's he's making it work type thing. But I'm also with you on Rainey. I talked about it on the last episode of the Bub and the Baffle. I'm a big Tanner Rainey fan, and I, I was kind of bummed when this move happened. But I still think he finds his way to some saves, like you were saying. So in your deeper best balls, DCs, whatever, I think there's definitely some uh, some fun to be had there. Let's talk Boston Red Sox now. These moves might not you know shake the needle a ton. But they are kind of interesting. First off, they went and traded with the New York Yankees of all teams for Adam Ottavino. And, you know, what's your two cents on this? Does Ottavino uh, somehow sneak in here and take Matt Barnes' job, or do you think he's still going to be a setup man like he's been the last few years? Yeah, I I remember doing a write-up on him like two years ago, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he's probably closed some games. He's like never closed games, like (laughs) ever, right? You would think a guy with that kind of pitch, that kind of whiff, that kind of stuff, has kind of had a closer role and it's like really never been there. And I don't know if there's like something behind that, but the fact of the matter is he just hasn't, I don't think he's going to take that role from Matt Barnes personally. I think he's going to end up just kind of being the, you know, like we saw from Hayter, the fireman who comes in, gets a couple innings, puts a few strikeouts, you know, that's the way I'm looking at it. I just, I can't look at it and say closer right yet. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like, I think it's interesting. I I wouldn't be shocked if he snuck a few saves in there. But I think you're right. He's going to be more come in, shut things down when it matters the most. Matt Barnes will be there for now, and maybe they go another direction. Maybe they go sign like an Alex Colomay or something to, to back to the back end. But I think you're right there. It makes sense when you really think about it. If he's got the skills to be a closer, why hasn't he not been a closer yet? So mm-hmm. that, that is a very good point you make. There is you know as, as good as he is. You hear closers talk about it. You hear other guys talk about it. Tried to close the ninth inning is a different beast. It takes a different type of person to do it. It's just it's just a weird deal. So maybe that's not his cha cha. I don't know. I was working on this, um, you know, while trying to search around for closers and such. Just anything mm-hmm. at the moment. I was working on a bunch of maybe uh, relief pitching metrics and something we can work on for this. That mm-hmm. that using like win probabilities and, and things for when guys go in games, go out of games, is, is how they're being used. Um, it's something to kind of look at if how he's being used in that way is, is leverage index. And, and if there's a possibility that he could be a closer, and I have to, I haven't dove into individual players yet, just um, bullpens in general, but I would imagine it's probably, he just ends up getting put into games so much, not necessarily to close them. That's interesting. It'd be fun to see how that metric uh, pans out. Cause maybe it, it'll line out and make a lot more sense 
uh, to the naked eye being, for sure. So you end up being really great. And the little bit that I looked at was uh, mm-hmm. rainy. Ended up being one of the studs from it. <laughs> that when I looked of at course. it, it was like when this guy comes in, the game's on the line. This guy and this guy leaves. You know the game. You know he's he's made the team better. You know they've been their win probability has actually gone up. So there's certain things that we could take a look at for this. Maybe not. Obviously, when we've got like hand, he's the closer, right? They paid him that money. He's going to do it. But some of these bullpens where it's kind of like hands in the air, who's closing, that might be an interesting way to look at those. And I don't know, it's still some research that I'm looking at. It's not yet ready, but we'll look at it. That'd be fun. It'd be really fun to look at. So uh, they went and signed Garrett Richards, one year, $10 million. He's going to be their third or fourth starter because their rotation is not good. They've went and signed Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta is there, like 19 uh, or 2000 and, you know, 14s calling and said, this looks pretty cool. But um, Garrett Richards, we've always liked his stuff. It's just a matter of being healthy, and it's a big matter of being healthy. What's your take on Garrett Richards, who, unlike some other players that might get kind of innings limits, they have no reason not to throw him as much as he possibly can throw. Right, yeah. So, like, every time somebody signs somebody, like Eric Cross would be tweeting out, Boston still has nothing. Boston still signed nothing. So I think at this point, anything they can throw into that rotation, you know, is is better than what they had out there. And, and who knows? I think you're just trying to get some viable innings from him. And I do think it was a positive signing. They needed to get some kind of something into that rotation. And we'll see. Maybe you'll catch lightning in a bottle and be able to trade him away at some point or something. Yeah, streaming streaming only for me. I, can't, I just can't oh, stomach yeah. I can't stomach Garrett Richards anymore. I just can't do it. Um, but a guy that does intrigue me that they went and signed was uh, Kiki Hernandez, former Dodgers utility man. Looks to probably take over for Dustin Pedroia at second base as Dustin's days are done in Boston. It's not official, but it, it might as well be official. So there's a good chance we see him play every day, which we really haven't seen a lot of. And there's a lot. if you really look at the AL East, there's a good amount of lefties in the AL East. So is this like an intriguing – uh, move here for a guy that's not getting drafted very high. Do you have any interest in him or is he kind of a, a waiver wire type guy? No, he's on the radar. He's somebody I would consider. And, you know, Boston was one of these places that sneakily put a humidor in that none of us knew about until the season. And then you go back and look and it actually helped the ballpark quite a bit. And a guy like this, you know, no one's really talking about it's suppressed there's a really good chance for like a high return on investment on this one. If he ends up doing something I could, you're getting him for very little. He intrigues, you know, almost I'd consider him in any format. It's that last round sort of guy that I would just toss on my bench and see what could be. And even a 12 team, if not, I cut him and I move on. But yeah, uh, I think there's something that could be there on this guy. Yeah. It'll be interesting with him. I'm, I'm curious to, if they do actually play him every day, which I think they should, but, uh, and also, where does he in the lineup? Like, you know, roster resource has him at nine, but I wouldn't be shocked if they move things around and put him towards the top. So yeah. uh, it'd be really interesting to watch that one uh, pan out. A few more transactions here. The Yankees, they went and traded for Jamison Tyon. And I know if you're in the pitcher list world like you are, that's a common favorite name out there. Nick Pollock's favorite or one of his favorites. Um, coming back from TJ, a second TJ, if you follow him on uh, Twitter, Tyon's talk like there's been articles and interviews about the velocity and how he's doing this and that. Things look very promising. But are you taking a chance on a guy coming back from his second Tommy John surgery? Yeah, so uh, I know that the success rate on these guys is like less mm-hmm. after a second Tommy John. So that's scary. But, um, you know, I do sit in the like picture this discord and it does get talked about. Right, it's almost like we have our own Tyone channel. Um, one thing about it is the Yankees have a really good like R and D and pitching development, and for them to go over and actually make this transaction, you know, they could have just ended up going out and signing Tanaka. Right, I know they want to stay under the luxury cap, um, and so maybe that's why it's very cost uh, efficient for them. You know, as they just basically gave away Ottavino to stay under the luxury tax. Uh, there's a chance that. Uh, he ends up returning like some value. I was real. I was liking him where he was out there in Pittsburgh, just sitting in the NL Central, thinking he could, you know, beat up on some of these weak opponents. It's going to be much tougher going out to where he is. So I don't know if it really sways it too much to me. Um, I think when I put it on, it's like a pretty risky one for me to take, to be honest. Um, just not knowing what's there. Could he? Could you take him? Could he end up being great? Yeah. Um, 
Pollock says that he's going to be good. I tend to trust him. You know, I just, it's one of those things, you know, even before I, be, you know, started writing and doing the analyst stuff, uh, I listened to Nick and it, it helped me out. So yeah, I would do it. Yeah. He's, he's a pitching guru for a reason. Uh, it's just, it's tough for me. Pick 237. You know, I got Michael Pineda, Nady Evaldi, Jose Arquiti, yep. Marcus Stroman right before him, right after him, Kluber, Eduardo Rodriguez, two guys with their own question marks, but then like Ryan Yarborough, Zach Davies, Chris Sale. There's a lot of question marks in that little range. So it's, I don't know. It's just tough for me to stomach at that point in the draft, but uh, it'll be interesting. I, I hope the best for him. We know his stuff when he's on is really darn good, but uh, still, it's tough. Very tough. I, I was hoping for like a better discount. After a guy mm-hmm. coming up, you know, like that was my only thing. I don't tend to take pitching in the middle. I take him either really high and really, you know, at the late. And he's a, he's going in that middle range, so I end up missing him a lot. Yep. No, it's it's tricky in that spot for him because he had no discount at all. Um, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, they went and signed Jose Quintana. This could probably be quick. Any interest in Jose Quintana this year? Very late. Um, yeah. just a guy who can eat up some innings. He is somebody who watched him in Chicago, just is a shell of himself, right? He was awesome. We trade away Eloy. It hurts every time to think about, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a guy who's probably going to go five at most. He's a terrible third time through the order guy with his stuff at this point in his career. And it's very little use for him fantasy wise at this point, other than really late in a best ball. Yeah. I remember when, uh, Quintana used to be the, the cat meow basically uh, for the white sauce before he got traded to the, the Cubbies. And yeah, we went downhill in a hurry. Um, last one we have here, the Marlins went and signed Anthony Bass to a, a decent deal to uh, pitch in the bullpen. You know, originally Yimmy Garcia was going to be the closer. Now some are saying Anthony Bass is going to be the closer. Where do you sit in that camp? Right. So one of the people I was actually kind of high on was, um, was bad was bass from sort of like the game leverage injuck stuff that I was looking at because he, he was kind of fitting into that realm comes in and does his thing. Um, the thing I like about him is he's a really good ground ball pitcher. He does end up getting some strike. He's got a little bit of command issues and I get that. Um, but I think he's going to be a guy who gets a sneaky good amount of save opportunities. And this could be a guy that uh, needs to be on the radar as your, your third relief pitcher, you know, I, I just the price is there that you could get him for very very little, and he could be a guy that finishes the season with twenty saves. It would not surprise me. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm liking Bass a lot more. Like Yimmy was interesting for the fact that if you needed a late round gamble in those deeper leagues, sure. Yeah. But like Bass, Bass is the better pitcher to me. Like you were saying, Excellent. everything you said is a hundred percent. It's funny because in the month of January, ADP of five ninety one as low as 720 but as high as 310. So you can guess the 310 was kind of after the signing. So his uh his draft price is climbing big time, and uh, I, don't, I don't see that stopping now that he's going to be locked into that Marlins role. So definitely a guy that the later round uh, relief pitcher options to, to keep an eye on for All sure. All right, let's talk Cubbies. Let's talk Cubbies. And I'll, I'll, we'll start out first. I've been a, a defendant of the Cubs. Like I said they just – last year I was notching up as a, a weird season, and they all just kind of – stunk like from a fantasy perspective they just they couldn't hit you look right. to line up and you know schwarber to hap to rizzo to bias like all the guys we wanted it was it was uncomfortable between injuries and whatnot so as a guy a cubs fan who watches way more than i do that probably listens to radios and podcasts of cubs stuff so you know way more than i do i'm gonna pick your brain here anthony rizzo we're getting a discount compared to recent years when it comes to rizzo he's like the Ninth or tenth first baseman off the board. I pick one hundred and two right now. Like people are starting to talk about him a little more, but he's going late for Rizzo times. Is this a guy we know with the back history? Are you buying into a, a bounce back per se season this year? Sure. So first base is still not the greatest position to be drafting at this point. Uh, I think I would put him more on a bounce back. You know, everything looks. Like everything under the hood looks pretty good. It's not like all of a sudden he started, you know, hitting less fly balls or hitting more ground balls and, and making, you know, absolute worse contact. He's never been a guy who really mashed the ball anyway. He never looked at it and said, oh, this guy's got a 48% hard hit rate. It's always been 40, high 38s. You know, it's always been pretty – he's always been very consistent. Last year I'm just chalking it up to a weird year. I think he's going to come back and have a solid year. 
um, and kind of be the Rizzo we, we see uh, with probably a little bit less batting average. If I had to put it, you know, something, and he's never been a guy who hits a ton of power. He's just going to be a guy who on base, elite, you know, OVP leagues, you're going to like as your first baseman. And he's just basically solid. He's like that floor first baseman that you, you put on your team. Okay, and I agree with all that. When you're looking at the draft board, would you rather go three picks earlier and take Matt Olson, or would you rather have Rizzo? Um, so it's going to depend a little bit on my construction. Like, uh, Olson's a guy who strikes out an incredible amount each beginning of a season. It's just kind of been like his profile year after year, and we didn't get a whole lot of season. So that's why his batting average was suppressed. I think Olsen's going to have a better season than Rizzo for me. I would end up taking Olsen. What about uh, guys that are compared a lot right now because they're going two picks apart? Rizzo or Goldschmidt, two veterans coming off down seasons? Oh, gosh. Hmm. That's when I just take whichever one somebody left to me if I had. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one, especially with one being a Cardinal, too. But Yeah, um, I've been – I've been scratching my head on that one in many draft boards. In this one, I, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be a better offense, and I would take Goldschmidt. Okay, that makes sense to me. Now let's talk Chris Bryant. This is a guy that just baffles me time and time again. Like We've seen the MVP Chris Bryant. We've seen massive struggling Chris Bryant, but that was when we had to pay a premium for Chris Bryant. So I've really never rostered Chris Bryant. I've been – kind of downplaying him, but this year I'm still not a big fan of his, but when I see him as a 17th third baseman off the board at a position that dries up rather quickly, going around pick 138, uh, he doesn't have Joe Madden having him leading off. I know Ross was there last year, but I was never a fan of him leading off either. What's your thoughts on Chris Bryant this year? I believe he's going into a contract year. He's pretty motivated. At pick 137, it seems pretty good. Do you feel comfortable with Bryant going into 2021? Yeah, that's going to be one of the most painful things I, I say as a Cubs fan. I won't be drafting Chris Bryant this year. <laughs> that makes me feel better, actually. <laughs> I um, Let's just look at it. The, his batted ball, yeah, his, his plate discipline is about the same. It's not like he's, again, it, it's not like he's doing something completely different. So then you look at it and go, why is your production just gone? Because you're not hitting the ball hard anymore. You're not barreling the ball anymore. You've replaced it with all kinds of weak contact. I just see the trajectory of uh, getting worse every year since that injury. And I just can't look at it and say, this is the year he's, you know, why would you just pop up out of nowhere? Maybe he's getting healthier and healthier and it had to be some crazy report. And I know he's going super late and I see him. I just can't do it. I can't pull the trigger. There's just too many things that make me think this is a guy trending downward. And, you know, the Cubs are, trading away everything, Darvish, and, you know, everything's on the block. Those guys are, are, you know, their development team is very good too. They put a lot of money into it. Why would you trade away all your, like, really good assets if you thought your core was still good? You know, you didn't. You, you, you think your core is rotten. You've got him on, you know, he, he's on the block. He could be a Blue Jay next week if Simeon didn't sign. Or so. You know, it's like, he, could be, you know, he could be a Met before we know it. There's, just, there's, there's all these things that could happen, and for that – Ugh, can't do it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I'm with you. I'm glad uh, it kind of makes me feel better because I've been taking Brian Hayes right next to him in many drafts. So that makes me happy. Um, let's go to the catcher, Wilson Contreras, a guy that's been a fantasy stud, kind of stumbled a couple years ago, looked much better in recent years also. like he's. We know the talent level is really good. It's just consistency hasn't been there. He's the fourth catcher off the board right now. I pick 132. Where do you see him as a fantasy catcher this year? Do you have him higher than that, lower than that? I know he's a massive trade discussion piece as well. Right, right. And it, for me, I've got him up there. He's like in my top five. You put him in the top five for me, basically, is where, where I'm putting him. Because I don't I don't trust uh, – if you read my piece, I don't trust Darno. Yeah. This is this, you know, the, the guy I'm just not trusting to have a, a good year. Um, so he sits in my top five, and – you know, the good thing about him is he's, like, a really good fielder. Um, he's got a really strong arm, like you can't believe. Uh, he's pretty good at framing. He's gotten better because he wasn't, like, a, a true catcher coming up. Um, well-rounded. He's going to be in all the time. The at-bats are going to be plenty. He's got the ability to put 
20 plus home runs out there. He, he could have a good average. I think he's just going to sit around that 240, 250 average, which is about catcher average if we look at it. Um, so to me, I still keep him in the, you know, he's going to produce. And if he gets traded, it's going to be to a good team. He's not getting traded to a bad team. So That's a good point. Either way, he's going to be in a good situation if he gets traded. If not, he's still going to be hit at the top of that lineup, and you know, with some good parts to it. Not entirely a great offense, but um, he can put it up. He's you know, catcher is like the least safe position, and I think he's still going to end up being able to produce for us either way. Uh, and I think that's a good point you make because some people mentioned that the trade situation and the fact that if he does get traded, it'll be to a good team. No, like. The Pirates aren't trading for Wilson Contreras. So that makes a lot of sense. That's why he was linked to the Angels for a while, a good team that's trying to contend. That, that makes a lot of sense there. Let's talk about your leadoff hitter, uh, Ian Happ. We, like, the the skill set's very good. The consistency has not been there. But uh, he hits the ball hard. He hits it really hard. We know there's power there, a little bit of speed per se. Good OBP guy for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on him this year? Because a lot of people are kind of thinking breakout uh, big season from Happ. He had that, that the breakout was coming last year. Um, my uh, band tracks counterpart, you know, Dave Mendelson wrote a really good piece on, on um, Ian Happ. And it was basically just saying, you know, it, you know, he was doing his thing. He got hit in the, in the eye. Ever since then, it, you kind of saw a wishy-washy version of him. And they have worked really hard with him. And he's still a young guy kind of blossoming into where he could be. Um, I still think, He's a guy I wouldn't say I target. I don't really love targeting guys in drafts, but um, he's going to be able to get you, you know, quite a bit of home runs. He does have the ability to steal some bases. It's just going to come with a little bit of a depressed batting average based on just how he is, and he strikes out a little bit. But I think he's a very viable fantasy asset, especially at his ADP. Yeah, he has great ADP. It's uh, this had it right here, 163. I've been finding myself, like when I'm looking at outfielders at that point, uh, there's Anthony Santander, who I like. Don't get me wrong, yep. but I think I think Hap's got some some appeal as well. Ryan Mountcastle, I think he's going too early. I think the skills are there. I don't, yeah. Maybe another year or so. Like I'm not quite there yet. You got Nick Solak, who I'll take Hap over Solak for power wise for sure. Leody Tavares, if you're begging for steals, sure. But like where Hap's going, he stands out as kind of a nice nice spot in that range right there. So big fan of that. And let's talk shortstop. Uh, we know it's a deep position, like we talked about. Uh, Javi Baez coming off a down year, and he's a guy that we know he swings at a lot of stuff. The control of the strike zone is not his forte. But when he hits the ball, and I think personally, I think he does better when he's more aggressive. Last year he was less aggressive, and it kind of showed he kind of needs to go chasing, it feels like, uh, to be good. He's a 10th shortstop off the board right now when we used to have him as like a top five or six, maybe even higher than that. Do you see Baez kind of following the trend here and, like regaining some of that uh, top five shortstop stuff or is what we saw last year more what we should be expecting. Yeah. So some, some players you can just wipe 2020 away. I've seen it with like Austin Meadows. I would wipe some of Baez's 2020 away. He did just get lost at the plate. He wasn't, you know, he's a guy who is going to go in slumps. It's just going to happen when you swing as much as he does and you have zero plate discipline, you can go uh, like, Mondesi, you could you could end up being terrible for two months, amazing one month, and now you're getting taken, you know, plenty of rounds ahead. Um, it's just a wild card, you know, sitting at higher higher teams going to be. He has the potential to be up. The really downfall to him that I'm looking at is uh, that he's going to lose that like top five round, you know, sort of thing. Is uh, the stolen bases are wiping away. I don't know if it's something they're kind of halting him, but you know, slowly you see them kind of erode away year after year. And, you know, I thought he'd be a guy who could just be 20-20 every year. And uh, I don't know if he's going to even steal 10 bases this year. That's a bummer. Cause I'm, I'm hoping for 10 to 15 and I'll be very happy. But uh, I could see I it like a – Yeah, I, got, I, see his, I see his stat page. So I see what you're talking about. And maybe that's a, a philosophy thing that David Ross brought to town. We'll, we'll uh, have to keep an eye on that, I guess. Uh, any other hitters from a fantasy perspective that stand out to you? Um, there's no other hitters I'm looking to draft, but anyone that stands out to you? Uh, oh, you're talking about for like the Cubs? Just for the Cubs, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't take Hayward. I wouldn't take Nico. I don't mind um, like super late David Bodie. He's got some skills that you know he can hit a home run. He can steal a base. 
um, super, super late, not being looked at. And at times they end up putting him like in the middle of the lineup for whatever reason. Um, the weird thing about him is uh, I was looking it up today. He's got like 70th percentile sprint speed and then like 95th percentile hard hit rate. So okay. there's like some skills there that make you kind of go, huh? Um, he's just an absolute void on your batting average because he doesn't have plate skills. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a tough one for me. He's one of those guys that I'll play in DFS when he's in the middle of the lineup and yeah. I'll kind of just watch the rest of the time. He's a, he's a struggle yeah, bus for me. Um, let's talk starting pitching. Now you got Kyle Hendricks. Everyone knows Kyle Hendricks, the professor, steady Eddie. Are you kind of just, when you see him on a draft, you're just, you know, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to keep taking him because he is going a little higher than we are used to seeing Kyle Hendricks go. When you, when you look at uh, – ADP right now, it, it is sitting around, uh, let's go to this one, going around pick 85, which is pretty high for him. Right. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. I actually took him in a DC not that long ago. Around the sixth rounder. So, and, and he's a guy that I'm pairing with somebody like possibly Lizardo or these guys with increased strikeouts and maybe a little bit of volatility to him just to kind of help balance it out somewhat. Um, the Cubs have said pretty profusely they're going to kind of let him go a little bit deeper and kind of just leave him out there. Um, again, he's one of those guys linked to some trades. You could end up in the Blue Jays. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. You know, if he's going, he's going to somewhere better. Um, it's just kind of like, uh, for me, it's, it's again, it comes on the construction. I don't, uh, I don't love taking him because he is a little bit of a negative on the strikeouts. But, man, he could help those ratios and – who knows? Who knows what we're going to see with these innings limits? I, I can see these upper echelon guys just instead of pitching 200, pitch 180, and this guy who pitches, you know, 165 or something, be pretty valuable too. And I think that's one reason why he's going up there is we kind of know we can pencil in. He's going to get his innings. Um, if you just get your strikeouts elsewhere, I think he's pretty darn solid. But it is tougher at that point in the draft compared to usual. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your closer or potential closer. I'm not going to say closer because. It was wishy-washy last year, but when Craig Kimbrell got taken out of the role, got put in the seventh and eighth to get his head right, he started looking like the Craig Kimbrell of old. In the end, had an overall decent season. Looks to be back in there in closing role, and he's going around pick 178 right now. Do you believe in Craig Kimbrell enough to draft him this year as a Cubs closer? So this is definitely a piece I think they're looking to trade, and – the knock on him is it's just the velo went away and it was throwing everything off and he was just getting smashed. And then you kind of saw it come back a little bit and he was ended up being uh, a viable closer at the end, which was really nice because you know they were looking to trade him. And I think the Cubs are just praying, fingers crossed, that he can keep that velo up, keep it going to at least they can end up trading him somewhere. And that's that's kind of my take on him. I think he could end up getting you some saves right away. You know, the team's not going to be great, but it'll be enough to get you something. And then I think he's going to end up be a move if they can. Interesting. Very interesting. If Kimbrell gets moved, is Rowan Wick again? Do you think Dwayne Underwood gets the job? Who do you see being the front runner for saves if Kimbrell's out of the way? Yeah, I think it's going to go to Wick. Um, I don't know if the bullpen that they've shown right now is exactly what they're going to have. Uh, maybe they end up putting some more. There's some guys they have down, down the farm that are decent that could come up. And I think first shot's going to go to Wick, though. Okay. Um, any other starting pitchers or relievers that should uh, be fantasy relevant? You know, they acquired Davies. Alec Mills had his moments last year. Also, young arm that's intriguing. Uh, anybody else stand out as a uh, fantasy relevant for you? Yeah. So the, the Cubs actually have the lowest projected WAR for starting pitchers um, in the major leagues, which is kind of shocking. I thought, um, but. So it's hard to say intriguing. I do like Esley a little bit, especially like late in a base in a best ball. I've been taking him there. Um, and I had actually been reading about him like last year, earlier in the year, that he was working on introducing, um, I think it was a sinker. Because he was, you know, he threw, he was basically a fastball slider guy. And so maybe he was just going to end up in the bullpen. And the balls were just getting hit everywhere. And he was trying to introduce a sinker to just induce some ground balls you know, and, and throw it with his changeup. I still think he should probably throw the changeup a little bit more. It's most likely a, um, a comfort thing to him because he doesn't throw it very much, but it's had decent results in a very, very, very small sample size. Um, he's the only one I think could be interesting based on, like, 
ADP, you're still going to have to buy up for like a Davies somewhat. And um, Alec Mills is, you know, his stuff's okay. It's just okay. Yeah, that, it's like the weirdest perfect game or no hitter that you ever threw. It's, yeah, it's some weird. of those, some of those, you shake your head and go baseball. That's all you can say. Like exactly. it's just that was that was a baseball day. I remember that wasn't it? It was a day game, I think, if I remember correctly. And uh, I think I was working, and then all of a sudden the buzz on Twitter, so I turned it on the radio. I'm like, what in the world? Alec Mills, of all people, really? Alec Mills? But, uh, yeah, no, it's good stuff. All right, well, that'll wrap us up, Dave. Any final thoughts, like any fantasy things that are that are going on right now that uh, tickle your fancy? Any players that stand out to you? Any final, uh, final thoughts? Yeah, you know, so a thought I kind of had is uh, specifically about the innings pitch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're bumping, starting pitching up like crazy high. Right? Like I'm in these drafts and it's like insane. Um, yet there's so many teams are either like going for it. There's not that many. Hence free agency being the way it is. It, it almost seems very washed. There's either like a very upper echelon. that's very small and so many teams not competing. Um, you know, is streaming going to be easier this year? Because you can stream against all these bad teams. There's so many bad ones. We're going to have so many options, especially with six man rotations. Um, you know, my advice I'm kind of looking at is this, pick them early, you know, some of the good ones, and then just take a whole crap load at the end and mm-hmm. hope that you can just stream a bunch of these guys for, you know, especially in DCs. That's the way I've been kind of looking at swaying it, just to get an abundance of pitchers that I can just – I'm probably going to stream against the Pirates quite a bit. No, it, it's a great point. I know Phil Duso has talked about that, especially in DCs as well. That's his strategy. Yeah. And it makes a ton of sense, like a ton of sense because you get those lockdown hitters. You don't have to worry about barring an injury that you you need to replace. You can just pencil them in. And then you have a slew of pitchers, like you said, you can play the matchups, do this, that, and the other. That And then, you know, some of them just come out of nowhere and are studs. Like there's mm-hmm. – it makes a ton of sense what you're saying. Um, I'm doing something similar recently in like the NFPC 50s I've been in is I'll take – I'll get two early. And then like I might sprinkle one in here or there if they just fall. I'm like, okay, I can't pass on him this long. But for the most part, I'm making sure my starting offense is pretty strong. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's a great philosophy, yeah. and it's a good it's a good talking point because, you know, last year we were concerned with innings, and it kind of came to fruition, obviously. Yeah. But this year you got the Brewers saying, okay, we'll give you everybody an extra 100 innings. Okay, so that what's that give the Burns? Maybe 150, 140, something like that. Um, Woodruff, if all things go right, 175, 180, if all things go right. We got to like, hope that happens. Um, so it, it's a, it's interesting. Six-man rotations are going to be real this year. Uh, it's a good point. It's a very good point. Something to keep monitoring. And, heck, if you're doing DFS, I know I do DFS. And uh, I guess we'll know who our cheap SP2s will be most days. Who's yeah. playing these teams? <laughs> so that'll be fun. But, oh, Dave, appreciate it. It's fun uh, chatting with you. And I uh, look forward to, to chatting with you again sometime. Yeah, thanks a lot, Bob. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, check out Dave on Twitter at Davithius, D-A-V-I-T-H-I-U-S. He's over at Fantrax, Rotoballer, and Pitcher List. This was episode 337. Catch you guys later.